This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Hebrews. We'll be in the 11th chapter. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the hymnal rack in front of you. Or if you have a Bible app, that works too. Uh, The staff, we were talking recently, someone shared with us, we had an evangelist who actually took time to say, in that Bible in front of you, turn to page number. But he didn't realize, and we didn't realize, there are actually two different Bibles there in those pew racks, so some folks still had to uh, do a, a search effort. Hebrews chapter 11. We have all heard the expression, follow the money. By the way, it's not a positive expression. Its origin will not surprise us. This catchphrase became popular back in 1976 with the docudrama film, All the President's Men, which revealed political corruption that can be brought to light by examining how money changes hands between politicians, other governments, and so forth. While money can be used for great good, we know from 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all what? Evil. And, and wow, are we seeing that living color as we look at the news today, or those who care to report the news today. But money, like everything else, ultimately exposes a person's heart and character. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. There are a lot of good things on this earth that are used in bad ways because of the heart of man. Now, I'd like us to consider another expression on this Father's Day. Instead of follow the money, follow the faith. What are we trusting in? What are you and dads, as you as dads, what are you trusting in? When you investigate the scripture, it would be easy to produce another docudrama of faith entitled All of God's Men. And as you study that, it reveals amazing faith brought to light by those who followed the Lord no matter what. To research such a film, you wouldn't have to go really any further than the book of Hebrews in the 11th chapter. Because there the Lord puts out there for us to see men and women of faith. And as we follow their faith, we see the greatness of our God. As we follow their faith, we see their uh, their willingness to trust only what God has said and the great blessing that that brought to their lives. In Hebrews 11, there isn't one hero of faith who is a perfect example of faith, right? Not perfect, but we get to see when their lives were known for trusting the Lord, uh, how they, again, were used mightily of God for his glory. 
And so on this Father's Day, we want to look at the only set of parents that are mentioned here in Hebrews 11. And of course, that's Abraham and Sarah. But something else is interesting. Did you know that of the 12 Bible characters specifically named in the faith chapter, Hebrews 11, half of them had children who went astray. Even the couple that we're going to study this morning, they had one son who was faithful to God, Isaac, and then they had another son who was not. You remember what his name was? Uh, not Esau, that's grandson. Ishmael, good, good, Ishmael. So the parents we want to examine today are these two, Abraham and Sarah. And if you, you found it there in your Bible, let's stand together, and I want to read the text for us, beginning in verse 8. Keep in mind, this is the longest section in Hebrews 11 dealing with a specific person or persons, all right? Others are mentioned, but the Lord in this chapter gives the most time to these two. Beginning in verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For a look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is unheavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from hence also he received him in a figure. In other words, he was a testimony of something that God was going to do. Father, thank you this morning for this example and help us, teach us to live by faith. And Lord, teach us to follow the faith of those in the scripture and the faith of those you've placed in our lives to be an example and a help and an encouragement to us to follow you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> 
Please be seated. Today I believe as fathers, and I would say this to you men in general, God was to have us consider Abraham and Sarah's faith and follow their example. Singling out dads today is Father's Day, but I'm also singling out you and I as men because God has called us to lead. And the only way that we can lead is to be an example of faith. Helping those behind us, those who are looking to us, to follow God no matter what. We need to see from the other dads in Hebrews 11 that their children strayed because they didn't follow the faith of their fathers. In other words, these are faithful men in Hebrews 11, but they had children who strayed. And why did they stray? Because they didn't follow their father's faith. And so there's obviously practical teaching here for all of you young adults, all of you children, you teens. The, the reality is God has placed people in your lives. And again, that's why it's so important that you be in a strong local church. You need to see examples of faith and then follow their faith. And so if they didn't follow their father's faith, that was on them, not on their dads, because God commended the faith of their dads. And children, if your dad followed the Lord by faith, you need to follow in his footsteps. You need to go up to dad sometime and say, dad, thank you for your faith. Now that's something that we, we word in different ways. Some, sometimes it's something that we don't even think about. But you need to thank dad if he's a man of God who is trying to live by faith. Now, this is not an abstract principle in the book of Hebrews, following faith. I'm going to show that to you. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, and would you look down at verse 7. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you. Now, in the context, is speaking to, about pastors. But it can include any authority, read on, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Now the next three words are very important. Whose faith, what? Follow. Follow their faith. Considering the end of their conversation, their lifestyle. Right? As pastors... We, we speak of living by faith. I need to be an example of trusting God by faith. But my lifestyle and what I even say to you ought to, again, bring us back to the reality here, the end of what you're being exhorted to do. The end, as back in Hebrews chapter 11 is, we're not going to be here forever. In fact, I don't think we're going to be here very long. The reality is, if you know the Lord, you're going to heaven and you've got an appointment with the faithful one, Jesus Christ. And so live by faith here. Follow the faith of others who are, are following the Lord. Because the end is, you're going to see the Lord. And so, whose faith follow? And that's what I've entitled the message this morning. Whose faith? If you see someone living by faith, follow. Whose faith follow? 
Now, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Many of us dads have, have memories, and it warmed our hearts every time where, you know, you may take a size 10 and a half, but that little guy tried to get into that, well, he easily got into the ten, and he's, and he's clomping around behind you in those, okay, in those shoes. He, he wants to be like dad, all right, or, or maybe uh, one of those little guys, you sat him up on the, on the uh, counter there in the bathroom while you were shaving, and he wanted to try it too. And so you had to safely help that happen. They, they, want, they want to be like that. I tell you, what I remember is walking in on church services in our house. There was the congregation, and there was one of our little guys up there preaching like Dad. Oh, man, that, that thrilled my heart. Uh, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. And the greatest encouragement a child can be to a godly dad or mom is to follow their faith. We look into the lives of Abraham and Sarah, and we see what that faith looked like. Please understand that this faith had a clear background of worship. And I'm just going to mention it, but we could preach a whole message on it. What made Abraham the godly man he was, was his times alone with God at places like Bethel. He would worship. He would be before the Lord. And it's that repeated time alone with God that nurtured his faith. Again, spending time with a faithful one will grow your faith. So what do we see in the lives of these two that challenges us, especially as parents, as dads, as moms? I want to look at some characteristics of the faith of Abraham and Sarah. Number one, parental faith follows the call of God. Parental faith follows the call of God. Look back at verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. Now this makes me smile because there's a practical side of this. Husband walks in and says, honey, it's time to pack up. We're moving. Great, where are we going? Not sure. Just start packing. Can we talk? Well, God said he's going to show us. We just need to pack and go, and when we get there, he'll let us know we're there. That's faith. They didn't know where God was leading them, but at God's command, they obeyed. They went believing God's promise, that was to be their inheritance. All right, we're going to go to a land. We're going to inherit this land. God said so. How's that going to work? He hasn't said so. But we can trust him. We need to go. What's an inheritance? Well, it's a blessing that has been planned and kept in store for someone. And, and when our God promises an inheritance, nothing can happen on that. He's not going to change the will. It's guaranteed. Why? He has spoken. But here's the important question to follow up. Did Abraham and Sarah ever receive the earthly promise of land? Yes or no? Not a trick question. 
No. They did not. In fact, when they die, they're still living in tents. In a land owned by others. The only real estate that Abraham ends up with is he buys a field so that he can bury his wife in a cave in that field. That's it. But their faith proves that it was not real estate that they were ultimately looking for. So look at Hebrews, back at Hebrews 11 and verse 13. We begin to understand what their mindset was. These all died in faith. And, and here's the answer to the question I asked earlier. Not having received the promises. But having seen them afar off from a distance and were persuaded of them and embraced them. What? The land? No, the promise. And confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We're okay living in tents because it's not really this real estate that we're looking at. Look at verse 16. But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly one in heaven. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. We tend to quote these verses out of the context of Abraham and Sarah. Put them back in their context. Here's what's amazing to me about Abraham and Sarah. At no point do they start complaining to God. Now, Lord, you promised land. Where's the title? Would they do that? And it wasn't really complaining, but yet God had also promised them a son. Do they ever talk to God about that? Oh, by the way, God, you promised. Where is the son? In fact, they grew impatient, jumped ahead of God, came up with their own plan. That didn't work so well. So they went to their graves without a single complaint about not owning land. Why? They were seeking a heavenly city. Now, God had promised, and they were content with God's wait and see. What an important lesson for Christians. God has spoken, you can take it to the bank. You can settle your life on that. And so I want to say thank you to you dads and you moms for being willing to follow God's call. It is the place of blessing, the safest place for your family here. Children, follow their faith. Well, sometimes mom and dad, they make decisions, and we're not even sure how this is going to turn out. If God told them to do it, if they are following the Lord, follow their faith. You are not going to be ashamed or disappointed with where that leads. Secondly, parental faith is willing to do without. Look back at verse 9. By faith he, Abraham, sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, tents with Isaac, Jacob, they followed the same way, heirs with him of the same promise. They were willing to do without. Abraham and Sarah went from living in a, home, a, a house to living in a tent. Now I enjoy camping in nice weather. Okay. But I can't imagine doing that the rest of my life. Doing it permanently. 
They weren't focused on comfort. How do we know that? Look down at verse 15. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, if they had been thinking about all the stability and the, the homes and the conveniences back in Ur, they might have had opportunity to have returned. I love the way that verse is worded because if you don't think about what you're missing, you're not going to take an opportunity to go back. Sometimes folks are so focused on what they might have to give up, they never move out on faith. By the way, history tells us, do you know that 80 years after Abraham and Sarah left Ur of the Chaldees, it was destroyed by an invading army? Had they stayed put, death. So God was protecting them, but God wanted them to be an important part of his plan. And so, this is the mindset that every one of us as Christians needs to have. We can do without. Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow. Now, we expect this mindset out of our missionaries. But you're a missionary and God expects this mindset out of you. You'll remember Abraham and Sarah did have a chance to live in a beautiful green plain where there were cities and comfort. This is what their nephew Lot saw and chose in Genesis 13.10. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere. This was kind of like their California. And you can apply that any way you want. But oh, it's, it's beautiful. A land full of fruits and nuts. No, I didn't say that. Okay, all right. But here's the point. Lot was not a man of faith. He was a man who knew God. In fact, the scripture tell, calls him, 2 Peter 2, 7, this just Lot. All right? Lot didn't live by faith. And it's not long, not only is he in that plane, but now he's living in Sodom. It's easier to live. We, we tend to say, well, well, he went there because of the sin. No, no, he didn't. He didn't want to be around the sin, but he didn't want to live in a tent. Put me in a house. By the way, his wife was part of that too. In fact, she didn't live very long when they left uh, Sodom because she turned around, she missed the house, and God turned her into a pillar of salt. Faith sees the big picture and is willing to do without. Some teens and adults are bitter at their parents because they don't have or they didn't have the stuff that others had, not realizing that true faith requires sacrifice. True faith means that Christian set of parents are going to be tithing, tithes and offerings. They're investing in eternity. They're going to pay for a Christian education for their children, Christian school, Christian college. They're going to make other sacrifices. 
And it's very easy in this day uh, for, for young people to see other young people who are taking these lavish vacations and doing things. And, well, here's mom and dad, and they keep sacrificing for God. Why can't we have that stuff? Again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a nice vacation. But if you follow the Lord, it's going to involve sacrifice. Faith also wisely denies a child the things that can hurt their faith. Parents who are willing to follow God and say no to electronic gadgets that control the heart and the mind. Right? I have never one time said to one of my young people, I, I want you to limit the amount of time you're doing it. And they said, oh, Dad, thank you so much. Thanks for caring. I'm not suggesting that we got resistance, but it's, it's like, okay, no, no, I'm trying to guard hearts and minds because I want them to live by faith. How about wrong friends? If you've ever had a parent say, you are not going there with them, you ought to say, thank you. Amen. Places of entertainment. My wife tells a story one time there were a group of young people in our church who after a service were going out and, and uh, some of these young people didn't have testimonies for the Lord. And her wise father, the same guy that said I could marry her, okay. Her wise father said, no, you are not going out with them, but you're coming out with me. And he took her on a date. That's a wise dad. So thank you, parents, for having a faith that is willing to do without for the will of God. Number three, parental faith believes the promises of God when human experience disagrees. Parental faith believes the promises of God when human experience disagrees. Look down at chapter 11, verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength. That means she received the ability to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him, she counted him, she reckoned God faithful who had promised. Past childbearing years, one of these days I'm going to have a baby. That's faith. That's faith. Now, Sarah had that baby for two reasons. Number one, God promised. That was the main reason. But secondly, Sarah believed. There was one time when she laughed. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm so thankful God's patient with us. When God says something, sometimes we go, yeah, right, yeah. God knows. Does he quit on us and go somewhere? No, 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 no. I think there was a point where Sarah acknowledged that before the Lord made it right, began to believe God again, and God blessed. Many would have never realized the promise because it was humanly impossible. Again, you can go back through Hebrews 11. Many, you know, God said something. It's like, nah, there's just no way. But they believed. They believed God. Later, Abraham would offer up this promised son, Isaac. Why did he do it? Now, we know the story. God delivered. God stopped that. 
God provided himself a sacrifice. But why did God uh, uh, do that? Look at chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Reminds us of our father in heaven and his only begotten son. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall all thy seed be blessed. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From thence, or hence, also he received him in a figure. So the same faith where Abraham said, all right, honey, start packing up the house. We're moving. Don't know where this is going to take us, but we're moving. God spoke. Said to his son, let's get things ready. We're going to go sacrifice to the Lord. And at a certain point, Isaac realizes, I'm the sacrifice. And Abraham has a knife over this young man. He's going to follow through. Why? Well, God had promised. And so if this is the promised heir, whatever happens here, even if he dies, God can raise him up again. That's faith. My parents tell the story. My dad was a deacon, faithful deacon for many years, came home from a deacon meeting one night and told my mother that the, uh, God was leading and it was going to be presented to the church to start a Christian school. My mom said that when he said it's going to be $70 a month, she started crying. Because at that time, on their family budget, there was no extra $70 a month. But they trusted the Lord. God put three of us all the way through Christian school, all the way through Christian college, and we didn't owe a dime. And I could tell you about financial reversals during that time. It doesn't make sense on paper, but God is faithful, and he honored the faithfulness of my parents by the way Abraham's faith has been a testimony to his family and has influenced generations to walk by faith not just the people of Israel but his spiritual children the church of Jesus Christ so thank you parents for being willing to believe God no matter what you see so that your children, your grandchildren can learn about the faithfulness of your God. Number four, parental faith is willing to stand against God's enemies. It's willing to stand against God's enemies. Genesis 14, 14 says this, And when Abraham heard that his brother, speaking of Lot, his nephew, they considered men in the family to be brothers, was taken captive. He armed his train servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. Now, we don't have time to look at the entire text, but the text tells us there was a confederation of kings, so there were multiple armies that had come together to defeat the cities of the plain, including Sodom and Gomorrah. <coughs> And so, how big is Abraham's army? 318. It's, it sounds like a, a fellow later named Gideon, right? Same similar, same things here. Abraham knew his God had trusted, uh, he knew his God had trusted his God. 
so that with an army of 318, he could go attack a major force. While most would call this foolishness, trust in God's promise won the day. What promise did he have? Well, if all nations of the earth are going to be blessed through me and a miracle son that you're going to give me and all this land, Lord, you're not going to do that with a dead guy. And so I can get a small army together, go after this large army, and we're going to defeat them. Why? Because you've promised me other things. Besides that, I, I love this in this man's heart. Here you see the love of a father. He's going to risk it all out of love to go after and save a family member. And again, praise God for dads that, that are willing to take those risks. I have no doubt in my mind this house is full of a group of men that if it required their lives, they'd sacrifice for the safety and well-being of others, no matter what the cost. That was Abraham, but he was willing to stand against God's enemies. Dads, God's enemies are trying to redefine your role, redefine marriage, gender, and every other thing about our lives. When they try to call good evil and evil good, you be out front calling sin what it is from God's word. Stand against God's enemies. Refuse to watch junk on TV. Somebody needs to speak up and say, shut that off. Don't call something marriage that is not marriage. By the grace of God, you're never going to hear me call any civil union that is not found in the word of God, call it marriage. It's not marriage. Don't cave to using pronouns that misrepresent what God made someone to be. Call them by their name. But don't cave. Decide where you are not going to shop. And then let that store or that restaurant know. That display over there, that offends me. Because it represents what goes against my religious beliefs and goes against the word of God. And we're not coming back in here unless you remove that junk. If we don't speak up, who is going to? And husbands, it's not your wife who, who needs to do it. It's you that needs to do this. So again, thank you, parents, dads, for being willing to take on God's enemies and stand for truth. Now, we don't do it in a spiteful, hateful way. We follow Jesus' example and we stand. And then finally, parental faith helps their children find the right mate. Genesis 24, 3. And I will make thee, Eliezer, swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. These unbelieving, idol worshiping, off limits as far as a potential spouse for my child. It takes the faith of a father to stand there and the faith of a mother to say, here's what God says, here's what we need to do. Parents, it's your job to apply scripture to who your son or daughter are considering for marriage. 
Train them to know what God expects. And any other choice outside of God's will, unless they're saved and surrendered to the Lord, they are out of bounds, out of the question. I wish I could take some time just to share testimonies about those who thought they knew smarter than God here, and they have lived lives full of heartache. God knows what he's saying. He knows what's best. Like faith and practice, we as Baptists like to use that, but that applies to choosing a life's mate as well. Ladies, choose a man who has the faith of Abraham. Take a step back, do an honest assessment. How much of this guy's life is motivated by faith in God? And don't make stuff up. Well, I think he might just, no, 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 no. What is he? You also need to be convinced through prayer, and if possible, praying as parents with his or her parents, that this is indeed God's will. So, right person, saved and surrendered, and then within God's will. The story is told that Jonathan Edwards told a potential suitor that he couldn't date his daughter. And every dad here says, good, good. <laughs> Girls, don't be nervous. It's not good that man be alone. God made a help me. If it's not good for him to be alone, it's probably not good for you to be alone either. Okay. But here's, here's the point. Jonathan Edwards wasn't saying this about the man. He said it because he said to this young man, my daughter isn't right with her God and she is in rebellion. I won't allow you to marry her. I'm not going to have you hitch your wagon into hers when she's not right with the Lord. Imagine that. So thank you, parents, for taking an active role in helping your children find God's future marriage partner. Young adults, thank your parents when they get involved. Oh, but I have my boundaries. Well, scripturally, your boundaries include mom and dad. I'm not suggesting arranged marriage, though every, every marriage, as far as I see in the scripture, is arranged by God. It's all about everyone praying together, working together to find God's will. Oh, by the way, the daughter does get a say. Remember in the same context? Okay. Uh, so Eliezer goes up there. Uh, Rebecca, you know, this, oh, this looks like it, this is meant to be. But before she leaves the house, dad turns to her and says, are you willing to go with this guy? Ah, see the balance there? She says, I'm willing. Oh, she was a woman of faith, too. Had never seen him. <gasps> yeah, had never seen him. That's faith. That's real faith. <laughs> but thank your parents if they are trying to do what God has called them to do so you can find his will. We close. Genesis 18, 19 is the ultimate testimony of Abraham's faith. And if you're taking notes, I hope you'll write down Genesis 18, 19, at least as a, as a cross-reference. Here's what God said of Abraham. For I know him, 
that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. What a testimony. What a testimony. Whose faith follow? What did Abraham's faith look like? Parental faith that follows the call of God, is willing to do without, believes the will of God even when human experience disagrees, takes a decisive stand against God's enemies and sin, helps children find the right mate. We know that there were lapses of faith in both Abraham and Sarah, just like we have our lapses, don't we? By the way, your past lapses of faith, parents, that doesn't have, have to have any bearing on the future. As for me and my house, we will, right now, this point forward, we will serve the Lord. But even in spite of the weaknesses of this couple, they're held up as a testimony of faith to be followed. So parents, your children will benefit most, not by your stuff, by your faith. So walk by faith. Young people, let your parents know you appreciate them, especially their faith. And then you determine to walk by faith and not by sight. You determine when God says it, I'm going to do it. I don't care what other young people are doing. I don't care what their parents are letting them do. I'm going to live by faith. Determined to do that. And by the way, that'll encourage your parents. If you have parents who love the Lord, that'll encourage them the most. So walk by faith. And if you have parents that are living by faith, whose faith? Follow. Father, thank you for the examples of Abraham and Sarah. Lord, help us to walk by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Each of us needs to come to God, believing that you are and that you are a rewarder of them who faithfully serve. So, Lord, I don't know what you've done in hearts here today, but, Father, would you help each dad, each mom to live by faith? And then, Lord, those who are watching us, those who are coming behind us, help them to determine to live by faith as well. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.